Well, hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show. I'm your host, Yvonne E.L. Silver, and we are streaming live from BBS Radio in California and also syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart, iTunes, and numerous other stations, and also including the new Podopolo podcasting platform as well. So my mission, if we haven't met before, is uplifting the spirit of humanity. And I do that by helping incredible women to flourish in business. Um, I have a particular focus on confident conversations, elevating powerful language, and helping women to ask for what it is they really want and get it. And this is for women entrepreneurs, mission-inspired entrepreneurs and visionaries, corporate leaders who are ready to step into something bigger, and basically changing lives and having a blast doing it. So what I do now is I showcase amazing women uh, through my uh, work on my radio show and podcast that are rising from tragedy to triumph or already have risen and are now out there doing incredible things in the world that I want to showcase. And so anytime that you are listening to any of the podcasts, interviews that I'm doing, I hope that even if you are in a tough spot right now, you'll be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, pardon the pun, what I call the silver lining. <laughs> so I'm Yvonne Silver, your show host, um, a female founder and entrepreneur myself, certified executive coach, and chartered HR professional. So I'm drawing on all of these experiences as I interview incredible women. And today I have Lana Makara with me. How are you? Hi, Yvonne. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. <laughs> Woohoo! Me too. <laughs> it's always interesting when two dynamic women who are out there changing the world get together. Um, we are both authors, although I have to say your bio is a lot longer than mine when it comes to writing books. So um, over the past um, you know, 10 years, I've definitely supported a lot of senior women to excel in their leadership and evolved my work around confidence. Um, so we'll get to talk a little bit about this as we go through. And quite a lot of the women I'm, I'm talking with, if they're coming from a corporate world, are very often struggling because they're in a man's world. Um, and I think that the story that Lana is going to share today will be incredibly interesting and resonate with you. And it's an intriguing story. So I'm very keen to get to talking with Lana about this. Um, I certainly believe as a female entrepreneur that we can be excellent role models for other entrepreneurs, and especially when we're leaving a legacy, being role models for our kids. So I'm so pleased that you could join me today. Thank you. (laughs) So a little bit about Lana. If you've never met or heard of Lana before, which would surprise me, (laughs) Lana helps people feel younger. I like the sound of this already. Working with clients over the years, she's discovered that many symptoms associated with aging are an accumulation of emotional distress and painful memories that affect the body. So after clearing the body and the mind of this residue, often her clients are feeling refreshed and renewed, looking younger, acting younger, certainly enjoying life a lot more no matter what their age, And now you're taking your story of living a very sheltered life, which I don't want to ruin the surprise. I'll let you talk about that 
to where you are today, being an inspirational writer, an award-winning, best-selling author and ghostwriter of more than 30 books, 30 books, <laughs> with over a million books sold. Congratulations on that accomplishment. That's big. And your most recent release is called Never Date a Narcissist Again. Oh, that sounds very interesting. And that's available on Amazon. I'll give you some more contact information at the end for Lana as well. So you lived a very sheltered life. Hmm. I know that you had um, definitely been watching uh, your parents as you were growing up. And you have a very interesting background. So tell me a little bit about life growing up, the snapshot. Wow. It, uh, yeah. Um, I am a child of a teenage mother. My mother was 15 years old when I was born. She was a child of an alcoholic. And so she was unstable emotionally. And the brunt of all of that upheaval and chaos fell on me as a little child. And my parents were married. <laughs> my parents got married. My mother was 15. My father was 25. And uh, today, I think he would have gone to jail. But uh, back then, in, the <laughs> in that era, um, they you know had a shotgun wedding. So that was the environment I grew up in. But I say it was sheltered because we were in the Mennonite Amish community. Mm. And I had very little contact with the outside world. All I knew was my close relatives at home and in our little church. And that was it. But that uh, whole environment where I started shattered at the age of 13 when my parents split up. And my mother married a psychotic, violent, horrible man. And at that point, life went a totally different direction. And it was uh, for a while, I felt like I was living in some kind of surreal landscape. Um, but long story short, on that sector, my teenage years uh, was filled with trauma. It was a male dominated home. And uh, it was not safe in any, any realm. It wasn't safe. And that put up a lot of um, barriers I would say to my self-expression, uh, to conformity. I became a super conformer <laughs> because I want to stay out of the radar. And this really influenced me as I became an adult then and got married and, and went on with my life to conform into a system and stay in the program became a big part of my makeup for many years, I think till the age of 52, when I oh. broke out of it. Yes. All my life, you know, basically until then I've had some good years, you know, in the 11 years since, but. Hmm. So did yes. you, um, after your parents split up at 13, um, did she remarry and you stayed in that Mennonite community? When we when when that split happened, we were ejected from the Mennonite community Hmm. My dad left. He went and lived 12 hours away. He was literally just disappeared from our world. And she immediately, I think within two weeks of the divorce, uh, the final papers, she married this, this other guy. 
and within two weeks, within two weeks, it was he, dad moved out, he moved in and he lived with us for six months or so. And then when the divorce was final, they went and got married. And, you know, all these things were happening as a 13 year old. I I was like, rock. I, I, what? You're what? He's what? You know, <laughs> basically, um, I was the oldest of five children and uh, it fell on me to be the mother protector of those children uh, because life went into extremes that were absolutely incredible. Uh, this was in the 70s. And mm-hmm. this was before, you know, uh, domestic violence wasn't even nobody would act on that. You know, this is a man in his own house and just not going to, unless he killed somebody or put you in the hospital, he wasn't going to go anywhere. It, nothing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no recourse. There was no help. And um, so those were the, you know, those were the days. And I, I think those of us who came up in the traditional generation, this is some of the baggage that we have that, the younger generation now doesn't have to deal with because it's a different world now. And one of the reasons why we do feel the heaviness in our bodies and we have these physical ailments that come up, you know, and when a woman gets to be 50, there's a whole string of health things that crop up. Well, you know, there are root causes for some of these Mm -hmm. and uh, getting down into dissolving them. And, and moving forward with your life will literally, not only will it make you feel better, but it will give you longevity that yeah. you wouldn't have otherwise. It's, it's interesting um, as you're describing that piece, because when I, split up, when I split up with my ex-husband, or before I split up with my ex-husband, we were married for about 17 years, I used to have this really big crease in my forehead right? Because I was frowning all the time. Because, you know, some of the things that were happening inside the marriage, I mean, it wasn't a domestic violence situation, but it just, you know, I used to shake my head a lot. (laughs) Um, Because I was expanding and growing and stepping up. And um, unfortunately, my partner wasn't. (laughs) So after about a year of being apart, I looked in the mirror one day and I went, what about where did that crease go? I mean, it's very, very slight. You can see it a little bit on camera here, but it basically had disappeared because I wasn't contorting my face anymore. I wasn't upset anymore. So I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely been a number of women recently where I've connected with them and including clients. And I've actually found out how old they are or how young they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they are definitely, um, you know, because of the work that they're doing, the personal development work, they are definitely stepping into this blossoming. And it's like their skin is softened, their eyes are softer, um, you know, their eyebrows have come back. (laughs) And and, and it's a whole different ballgame once we actually choose to put focus energy on ourselves and our needs and step into this new level of self-awareness, which I suspect we're going to talk a little bit about in a minute. So um, I'm, I'm, I am, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, understanding of the fact that, you know, when you're 13, I mean, it's a, it's an awkward age for any young woman to go through, but also to be uprooted, moving out, moving out of the community that you knew, 
um, you know, your dad is gone, this new guy is here, and there's violence in the house, and also looking after five or four other siblings and leading them, that was a lot for a young girl. So I'm sure that that did harbor quite a lot of, of negative energy in your tissues. Oh, wow. And I started back pain at that age. I started a lot of other uh, things where I was constantly in pain and it was more muscular. It was more like my shoulders would lock up and, mm-hmm. and uh, lower back pain, which I lived with for decades. Um, don't, don't have it now. So yes. thankful for that. But yes, indeed, that, that is so true. And I found that I also had put on layer after layer after layer of protective coating. So I was encapsulated in my, my own personality and my own spark of who I am was so hidden. I didn't even know where it was. I, I didn't even, even know who, who I was or, or what I wanted in life. I, I was waiting for instructions <laughs> so yeah. I could fall in line quick enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've seen it happen a lot too, where, and I, I fell into this as well because I had an incident with my father. Well, I had several, but you know, uh, around age 11 where he, um, he got the results from one of my critical tests to, that was determining which high school I went to. And um, I flunked it by two marks. I'm a people person. I'm not an academic um, other than my coaching certification. I did get a 4.0 on that. <laughs> um, but I flunked the, flunked the exam by two marks and he screamed at me, like screamed so, so mad that I would never, ever be successful in life. And then he threw the letter in the air and walked out. Mm-hmm. And after that, I actually started putting on weight because I you know, subconsciously probably uh, realized that I needed to protect myself. I mean, if this was someone who was supposed to love me and look out for me, and this is my dad, what was the outside world going to be like going into high school? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. So interesting how these things evolve. So, um what happened after you got married? How old were you when you got married, if, if I may ask? Sure. I was 21. I was a senior in college. Mm-hmm. I loved academics. Uh, I, I just hid at school because school was safe. I could do well there and I could I could do my, my lessons and take my tests. I didn't have to interact a whole lot with people. And I just loved that environment. And so I was so happy at college. And I met this very charismatic uh, guy who actually noticed me, you know, was amazing. And he had a beautiful family. I thought they were the cleavers, you know, they were perfect (laughs) in every way. (laughs) And his mother liked me. Uh, She really liked me a lot. And she would take me on shopping trips and she would take me here and there and just the two of us girlfriends. And it was awesome. I never had anyone treat me like that. I was uh, at that point, I think we were engaged when I was 19. And from 19 to 21, it was a wonderful time. And I felt like I had left, you know, the dregs and the chaos. And I had landed in the summer light. And it was amazing. And uh, my ex-husband, he was on stage a lot. He, he was an actor. He was a speaker. He was, a, he was uh, in college to become a pastor. And so because he was in the religious thing, I thought, oh, good safety. He's going to be a great person, too, because he's going to obey the rules. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I got married at 21. And uh, and things were, were pretty good at the beginning. Well, they were OK because it was better than where I came from. Right. 
whatever happened, I'm like, well, you know, it's not as bad as it was. It's okay. And I proceeded to have seven children over the next uh, 12 years. And I was a home homeschooling mother and we went and lived overseas. It was just a long story, a lot of stress, constantly moving, constantly changing. We were in churches and different things would happen. And, you know, the, all the stuff that happens in church communities and so forth. And then the children, you know, growing up and having kids sick and accidents and, you know, dealing with all of that. And what I didn't even know until after my divorce, 30 years of marriage to this man, he was a covert narcissist and he manipulated me by targeting my fears my insecurities, by my desire to please and measure up. And the the pressure on me just was more and more and more until after 30 years, our 30th year, we'd had our 30th anniversary. And I think it was only six months later, uh, I caved in and uh, I left him. It was traumatic. It was a three day Three days was all that it was between the time I decided to leave and I left. And was this some sort of triggering event that caused you to see the light as it were? Yes, it was really interesting how it happened because uh, I had a really close friend. She had eight children. I had seven. And we were together in the same community having babies at the same time. So, you know, over this period of what, 10, 12 years, we were like babysitting each other's kids and she was in the hospital with a baby and I was, and then I would watch her kids and she would watch mine. We were such close friends. Well, then my family moved overseas and we lost touch and I hadn't heard from her for 20 years. And somehow she found my mailing, my, my email she sent out a like a newsy letter like uh, to a bunch of friends at once. And because she was just also a homemaker like I was, of course, I was writing books, too. But anyway, uh, you know, little newsy letter. And I saw that the email had only been mailed like, I don't know, 10 minutes before. <laughs> and it was it was just a group email. It wasn't like a mass mailing or anything. I thought she's home. She's at home right now. I wonder if I could find her phone number. So I'm looking all over, you know, trying to find her phone number and everything. And, and I did, I found her phone number. She was living in, in Florida, I think at the time. And I was in, uh, in Maryland or Delaware. So anyway, miracle number one, I found her phone number. Miracle number two, I called and she picked up. All of a sudden I had her on the phone and I'm like, (laughs) you know, of course it went through the kids thing for, you know, about 20 minutes. Right. (laughs) And then I said to her, things aren't going very well here. I'm, I'm having a problem. I don't really know. This is happening and that's happening. She said, oh, you're depressed. I'm like, what? What? Her name's Sharon. Sharon, what? What are you talking about? She said, I knew something was wrong. I've Ever since we got on the phone, I thought, what is wrong with you? Something's really wrong. She said, things are not good there. She's, she said, your husband is dead wrong. This is going on. That's going on. What you're telling me, listen, wake up, girl. What you're telling me here is this, this, and this. Can you hear me? She said, you're going to have a breakdown. 
She said, I can tell it because I had one and you sound just like I did. And I'm telling you right now, you get out of there. You do it and you call me when you do. Oh my God, I was just, I was just rocked. I, I couldn't believe it. After 20 years, and she's really hard on me. <laughs> she was How like, your kids then? My youngest son was 18. Okay. So not, not babies to be. No, no, no. With. Okay. Which was one of the problems. I had four young adult sons living in the house with my husband and my brother-in-law. Hmm. There were six men in that house and I was doing all the cooking, all the cleaning. I was doing everything for everyone. I was exhausted beyond anything I could express. Mm-hmm. And I was getting no support from anyone. And when I would plead with my husband to at least give the boys some chores, you know, he would just turn me off and walk away. And, you know, so I sat on the bed that day and I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought about my kids. I realized my youngest son's 18. I don't have to worry about children. How am I going to survive? I, I've never, I haven't had a, a resume for 30 years. I've, I've never worked outside the home for 30 years. What, in the, right. what am I going to do? And so I did what I did. I said, okay, I'm going to go to my sister. My sister is a licensed uh, therapist. Hmm. I'm going to go to her. I'm going to stay with her. She's going to help me get my head on straight. That's what I'm going to do. At the time, I had no idea about divorce. I had no idea about any of that. I just knew I had to get away from that environment. Right. And three days later, at two o'clock in the morning, it was October 17th, 2009. I did. I left. Mm. So did you get chased? (laughs) Did he chase after you? Actually, he never really did. He... He wasn't, he, he sent me email saying, I don't understand why you won't come home. Um, he did come after I had been away for a baby six months. He did come down to see me one time. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked me to go with him to uh, family counseling, which turned out to be a pastor buddy of his. And they both sat there and railed on me for an hour both of them in the room together. Uh, I was just told that I need to straighten up and fly right and get back to where I belong. Mm. Um, and it was that meeting that I decided I'm, I'm getting a divorce. I can't, mm-hmm. there's no remedy for this so uh, had, because I wasn't being had, heard. Yeah. So you had that one turning point with your friend and then another with this meeting. Yes. And then I understand there's another one too. Three turning points altogether. Uh, well, if you can give me a clue, because I've had a few, <laughs> I'm not sure which, what the next one is. <laughs> I don't know. I was just looking at your bio okay. <laughs> and the background info that I have here. Okay. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I am really curious, you know, how does one go from being a homemaker for 30 years, raising seven children in this narciss- narcissistic, I can't even pronounce it, uh, environment to being an award-winning, best-selling author and ghostwriter of more than 30 books and selling a million books. There's a piece in between I'm really curious about. Tell me about that. (laughs) Well, uh, when we first married, 
I had been an English minor in college. I was an English minor, hated writing. (laughs) But when I was having all those kids, I got really bored. Oh, my mind was just going crazy. You know, we didn't even have a television. I was uh, needing some kind of uh, mental stimulation. So I took a writer's course and I found out that if you're not in the classroom and it's not academic writing, it's creative writing that I loved. And so for for 14 years, the first, I say, 15 years of the marriage, I was writing on the side and learning the craft and and working it and and learning it and, uh, you know, just breaking myself in because I was so shut down. I couldn't write really because I couldn't access my emotions enough. Mm -hmm. But as I continued on and I was in a process of personal development the entire time, because in my mind, if I could speak with the right tone of voice if I could see his moods in the right way, if I could just get it right one time, he would start to act like a normal loving person. <laughs> and I just kept working on myself. Um, well, that's what we, that's what we can actually change. Right. Right. We right. Can't change right. anybody else. We can yes. create an environment which allows them to self-motivate or flourish in a different way. But if we want to see change in a relationship, we have to own it and change first. Right. And that's what I was doing. And yeah. that, and what I didn't even know at the time was I was setting myself free because I was growing and blossoming. And so I, my first book was published in 1996 okay. and uh, by a traditional house that was back before all the internet stuff. Amazon wasn't even there then. Um, and I won a national award in 2001 for a book. And by the time I left him, I had 20 titles. I was established as an author in that world because it was the religious world. And so my first books, which people ask me about, because my first books are written under my old married name, Rosie Dow. Hmm. And on Amazon, if you look up Rosie Dow, D-O-W, you'll find me there. But when people say, I want to read your books, I, I hesitate because they were written in the Christian paradigm with the Christian message. And I don't subscribe to that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel kind of, you know, yes, go ahead. You can look it up on Amazon. If it interests you, go ahead and read it. But I'm not putting them out there as here's a sample of what I do, because it's not, that's not me. That's the old me. That's the, that's the part of me that was from before. So that's five years ago, right? Yes, exactly. So when I left him in 2009, at that point, I I went into that emotional spin. I lost my creative voice because I didn't know who I was now. Who am I now? I'm not a wife. I'm not a mother. I'm not a pastor's wife, you know, which I'd been for 30 years. So I had a gap there where I was just trying to figure it out. Well, in the meantime, I had been marketing my books, which is why my books have sold so many copies. I'm pretty good at marketing. And Mm -hmm. so I was taking courses on marketing and I'm marketing and all this and learning everything. And, and so when I got out of um, the marriage, I worked for my, in a a family business for a little while to get myself on my feet. But then I started to put myself out as a VA, a virtual assistant for marketing. And I just built myself up that way because it's a sad tale. And I know so many women can relate to it. But when I went to get a job, I couldn't earn enough money to pay my rent. They wouldn't pay me enough money to keep myself 
stabilize. I had to actually open a business and become an entrepreneur in order to have enough money to live on. Yeah. I was alone. Well, I think many uh, corporate male leaders don't really appreciate the skills that come with being a mother. I mean, if you can multitask, if, if you can get creative, if you can, um, you know, shorten the time frame on projects because you only have this window of time before the kids wake up or they come back from school and mm-hmm. you're working. I mean, those are all very transferable skills that are incredibly useful in business, even without any formal training in something like marketing. And the more work that I do, too, in my own business and in the last um, six months, um, reinvesting choosing to reinvest in myself and take some some coursework that is another coach certification um, around personality science and all around communications, the more I realize that, you know, the number one skill in business is sales. And sales comes from marketing, right? The, the two are intertwined hand in hand. But if you don't have any sales, you're not going to stay in business for very long, right? So a core yeah. skill. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what was the first, what was the title of your first book? I don't Megan's Choice. Which, Megan's Choice. Megan's Choice. Megan's Choice is now uh, part of a bundled, there's a four series, um, four series in a one volume book called Colorado. And I think that one is still on Amazon because they, after the three first three books came out, they took the publisher contacted me and said, if you write a fourth one in the series, we'll make it one book, put it all into one volume and market it in the at the greater uh, like it was in Walmart. It was, hmm. you know, it wide uh, mass market. Hmm. And, and so it's fiction. Um, right? fiction, it's fiction yes, it's set in the Old West murder mysteries with a romance set right. in the Old West. Wow. Yeah. Fun so- stuff. But today, you've obviously moved on quite a lot in terms of what you're writing about, and you call yourself a mindset engineer. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those those mindset changes, if you like, that helped you to own that and step into that? Wow, I love that question. <laughs> the transformation that happened for me after that, that break, I call it the tsunami of my life. It took me uh, three years to really come into the beginning of the transformation. I was chaotic and confusion. I was doing a lot to find work and pay my, you know, get myself stabilized financially. But I began to work with a life coach. And then from there, you know, it went on and on with different methods, different modalities. But what I found was and eventually I became a practitioner myself but what I found was that I had a core belief that if you tap into the pain of childhood that is so deep that it will overwhelm you that was my my limiting belief I thought that if I start going there it will overwhelm me and I will completely break down they'll put me in the hospital I will not be able to tolerate it And what I found in reality is when you work with the right person, you can go there without even melting down. You don't have to be traumatized again. Mm -hmm. And so 
that was one of the core realizations for me, one of the major points, because once I found that out, I started on a quest. (laughs) I was like, oh, you do that? Let me try that. (laughs) You do this? Great. Let's do it. (laughs) And I just went from one thing to another. I was having the time of my life. Eventually, I got to the point where it wasn't even uh, it wasn't even a thing. I'm like, okay, pluck that out. Let's go. What else have we got? You know, and I'm just, I'm on a roll because it felt so good to feel better. It just felt so good to get a relief and, and I get relief over here and then I go over there. So that was great. And until around 2016, you know, that was really what I was doing. It was all a, an evolving thing. Um, but then my daughter got sick. And when my daughter got, got very, very sick, she was at death's door. We did not know what she was, what, what was wrong with her. We took her to doctors. Nobody knew what was wrong with her. And uh, later we found out she had Lyme's disease. Five years had gone by without diagnosis. It had then gone into her, you know, muscles. She had starting arthritis. She had fibromyalgia, very bad. Yep. And I saw she was in so much pain, physical pain. And I saw on YouTube. Now, this is a, a big, one of these big turning points. This little guy, he looked like a mad scientist, hair sticking straight up in the front, you know, and he's this little dude, kind of looked like Woodstock, you know, that bird. Um, And his headline was, uh, stop pain in 30 seconds or less or something like that. It was stop pain in two minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I went, what? You can do that? And so I watched the video and it was a demo. He brought somebody up to the stage. He did this little thing. And the guy got this shocked look on his face and said, it's not hurting anymore and walked down. And I went, okay, that's a thing. What is that? <laughs> I'm going to find out about that. <laughs> so I just started following him. And because I'm such an avid learner, about three months later, I landed, the plane landed in California and San Diego. And I went to my first hypnosis training at the San Diego Hypnosis Institute. And it changed my whole life. When I was there for five days, eight hours a day, it was a 40-hour intensive training. What I did not know when I got there was that in the process, this teacher is so amazing. He is one of my heroes. He had us doing the processes from the second hour of class. In hour number two, he said, okay, everybody pair up, start practicing on each other. Take this technique, look at it, do it. And he made us list and we had to have X number of uh, interactions with people through the week or we weren't going to get certified. And what, what the result of that was, I had 63 different processes done on me. And I had a running list of things that I had. And what I didn't realize was I was going to leave that meeting completely transformed. I went for my daughter. Because she was the only one that would motivate me to spend that much money and take that much time. I don't, I wouldn't have done it for myself. I did it for her. And the core, the core pain, the traumas that I had from an infant with my 15-year-old mother 
were so deep that I didn't even know what they were a lot of times. Mm. And in those processes, it was almost as though the, the pain and the trauma were like a helium balloon held in the hand of a little child, you know, where you wrap the, the string around a kid's hand and they hold the balloons and letting that stuff go was as easy as opening my hand and letting those balloons go up to the air. And when I experienced that, because I didn't ever believe I would ever be in practice. I said, I'm going to do this. Hmm. And how quickly were you able to impact your daughter after you took your training? Immediately. As soon as I got back, when I walked in the door and put down my luggage, she said, you're different. Hmm. Something happened there. You're different. I said, well, girl, get ready because we are going to go on a ride. Lay down. <laughs> Let me yeah. show you the show you the way. <laughs> exactly. And okay. she is healthy and strong today, pain-free. Mm. Um, I do have another, um, another guest who had Lyme disease, and um, that'll be an interesting story as well. Um, and I thank you for sharing that. I mean, clearly it's a you know, even though it might be, you know, four, five years ago, um, it's clearly still uh, a big um, emotional trigger to, to be even talking about it. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're so, so welcome. Because so it's my that, daughter, I think. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, when I talked about my, my dad and that, you know, 11 year old experience, I think that's the first time I've actually talked about it where I haven't choked up. Um, I mean, I talked about it last week with some with somebody else in a treatment and, and I was still, you know, tearing up about it. Just you, know, you think you've peeled back enough layers and guess what? There's another one coming up <laughs> and that's the personal growth and development work. So um, when people say to you, you know, if you go to a networking meeting um, or um, you know, you're online and it's just a quick, you know, n- new meeting with somebody and they say, so what do you do? What do you, how do you describe yourself? Because we started off saying, you know, you help people feel younger. We didn't actually give you sort of a title per se. And people are still very much hung up on what do you do? (laughs) I am a mindset engineer. And when I say that, I say that because I use so many methods. All those years that I was trying this and trying that. I picked up so much along the way. I ended up having three different hypnosis certifications, including Mm -hmm. medical hypnosis. Okay. And those methods and what hypnosis is, is just a state of very deep, calm focus. That's all it is. So it's a doorway. Hypnosis makes you calm. So then you can let go of the things that you need to let go of without Mm -hmm. resistance. And so that is the method that I use. To, to take someone into that calm state, help them let it go through a lot of guided, uh, guided visualizations. I use guided visualizations that are carefully crafted to release things without having to experience them. Because if you tell somebody, tear that paper off the page and throw it in the trash, there's no emotional charge on that. It's the paper represents something and the brain knows what it represents And you can throw it away without reactivating the trauma. Mm -hmm. And so we go on some very pleasant journeys in that state. And I'm using a little of this and a little of that. But I have my processes. 
I have about 30, 35 processes. And when I'm working with someone, I will go through my processes and I will select the ones that will fit what they need. Right. And then we go on this journey. And for about an hour, the person is in a very calm place, lying down somewhere. And I do them on Zoom too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're on this journey, this pleasant journey. And when they wake up, they're always smiling. And they're always like, wow. <laughs> Was it one and, one and done kind of thing? Um, what we work on is one and done. Okay. But there's a lot to work on. Yeah. And so, yes, depending (laughs) on what it is, I I might do three, I might do six, I might do eight sessions. I, I have been on retainer for a year with some people who had some, a lot of things relating to allergies. Hmm. Allergies are so emotionally charged a lot of times um, that it may take a little while to let the body know it's safe now. It's safe. Um, Especially asthma. Yeah. Mindset engineer. Okay. So, um, in terms of the three categories, you mentioned medical hypnosis, and then you said that there were two other categories. So I'm curious, what are they? Oh, sure. Um, the, the first one was my initial training with the San Diego Hypnosis Institute. And uh, that was a more general hypnosis class, you know, mm-hmm. what it is and all that. And then the second one was medical hypnosis, where they teach you about the body, how to get the body to respond to instructions. Right. Uh, that you can give the body instructions about stopping pain and different things like that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what happens with medical hypnosis. And then the third one was a deepening of my first one where I could have a de- uh, certification in as a clinical hypnotherapist okay. was my third um, certification. So I just continued to work on it. And I'm, I'm hoping that next month I'm going to go to another one. It's kind of addictive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, I get it. I mean, the whole piece about coaching, right? I mean, I've, I've got my executive coach designation 10 years ago. Um, and that was, a, again, it wasn't like an overnight, you know, come to this weekend away um, and, and you'll, you'll come out a coach. It was a six month long uh, page, you know, um, uh, undergrad, uh, sorry, graduate level program um, mm-hmm. that was, you know, 240 plus hours. I mean, it was yes. a lot of, uh, it was a lot of work, but what it, what it showed me was I'd actually been doing coaching for, oh, about 20 years already in my senior HR roles. And I just hadn't actually labeled it like that. I just thought I was helping people. And then I realized there's actually a bit more of a science to it than that. Um, but the more, the more more I've worked with my clients over that past sort of 10 year period, the more I realized how much deeper you can go. And so yes. the newest training that I took was around six intelligences. So it's about, um, you know, business intelligence, sales intelligence, um, emotional intelligence, which I've, I'm already certified in, um, spiritual intelligence. So bringing that in, which is new and not, not uh, incorporated in many other programs, um, and then also artificial intelligence as well and, and personality intelligence. So very cool. And the more deeply we understand these things, the more we can bring to our clients and help them expand and grow as well. So it's very cool. So in terms of advice, um, now that you've been practicing all of these mindset engineering techniques over the past little while, 
Um, you know, certainly when it comes to living with a narcissist, I mean, you wrote a book about that <laughs> or, or dating a narcissist. Um, what would you share with the listeners has been maybe two or three of your biggest learnings and takeaways about how we can actually um, evolve and grow and step into being the best version of ourselves? Wow, that is such a wonderful question. It's something that has been on my mind, actually, for the last few months. Um, As we come up, a lot of times we are put in a framework, you know, from our cultural background, whatever our parents tell us, or, or maybe we go to a certain religion or whatever, and we get told that we're bad and that we have to watch out because, and that this was my training uh, as well as, you know, in my marriage, that if we let ourselves go, we're going to be disappointed in how we act. (laughs) We've got a lot to keep under control because we are really not inside there were there's there, you know, there's a bad person hiding out in there. Um, and I, I think that, you know, and I know in the Christian world, that is at least used to be, I don't know about today because I've been out of it for a while, but one of the biggest things that I found is that someone who is genuinely wanting to expand and evolve has such freedom in releasing who they are to the world because who you are is really the beautiful part of you. The part inside your heart is the beauty of you. And so hiding it away is not serving you and it's not serving the world either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's clamping down and it's restrictive. And so the best thing you could ever do is just let down and be yourself. Just mm. be yourself. Don't worry about what somebody else is going to think, what they're going to say, how they're going to look at you. Forget about that. You know, um, if, if the music moves you, move with it. If mm-hmm. you want to say something, say it. Just be you. And that freedom was one of the most pivotal things in my own life to just let myself be me and to realize it is not conceited to say, I like this person because this person is pretty awesome. And the reason I can say that is because my heart fills with love when I think of others and when I think of helping people and when I want more clients My heart fills with so much love because I know their lives are going to be changed and I feel the joy for them in advance. That is a wonderful place to come from. But as long as you are hiding out, you'll never be able to get there and be all that you are to help the world. Mm -hmm. As as you're talking, excuse me, um, I was, I was, I was wondering, has she watched my video? Is <laughs> when I spoke at the Fearless Women's Conference a couple of years ago, where I talk about, you know, that experience with my dad. I put up a shield, and I, you know, I carried that shield for forty-five years because I never wanted to be hurt like that again. And then, through a breakdown, basically a burnout. Um, and doing a whole bunch more self-reflection and you know, stepping back from the world for you know two or three months, 
realized that I was actually keeping myself small by being behind that shield as well. So it wasn't actually serving me anyways. So wow. I'm like, she, she watched my video? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a big one. Be you. Um, is there a couple more maybe that he left? Yes, yes, yes. There's another one related to that. And that is this. When we go through trauma, and especially as a child, but even it could be other places, sometimes a, a very demanding boss can do things to us, that, especially over long term. When we come into the world, there is a time when a child realizes I'm an individual. I'm me. I'm not that person and I'm not that person. I'm me. And a lot of times when children, of course, you know, I have seven. So I went through this a lot. They pick up a toy. Mine, 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 mine. Well, they are understanding that I am me. And that means I'm different from everyone else. And if you thought of it in terms of like walking around in this bubble, this bubble of me. And when we get traumatized, when we have these things happen, you know, this narcissistic husband, he would just poke through that bubble of me and take away that meanness from me. He would he would take away my identity and and make me Mm non-significant. And we actually lose some of the some of the boundary that's around us that says what's inside of here that's me. And, and I fill this up and I'm happy in here. This is the happy place for me. And what is out there, everybody's walking in their own bubble and I can say, yeah, that's you. And this is me. Now this goes down to, you know, deep psychology of the core of identity kind of a thing, but I'm trying to get it into this metaphor because if you can realize it's okay to be me, this, this thing I have around me, this boundary that I have around me is simply a designation. It's just part of who I am. And it's fine to be that because everybody's that way. That's the way we were made in our healthy state. And then to know that the other people also have their own bubble. If we can just go into that and, and get that grounded and be okay with it. Once we can do that, we're no longer going to be codependent because that person has their own bubble. They have their own responsibilities, their own identity. I don't have to give up mine to help them because they're not me. They are a functional adult and they should act like that. They should act like they are. Mm -hmm. It stops the the uh, unhealthy relationship where somebody wants to tug on you and pull you uh, out of that meanness and you can get a sense of it. And one of the things about not dating any more narcissists is to realize, hey, this person is actually coming inside here and trying to get some of this. (laughs) They're taking away my meanness. I don't like that. And you can stop it. It, it's important, I think, to recognize, particularly right now, because, you know, we've got COVID happening and there are so many people that need stuff, right? I mean, if you're not, if you're not giving from your place of overflow, then you're going to get drained. So all the energy out of that bubble is just going to get sucked right out and then you don't have a way to refuel it. So, okay. Interesting. One last thing to include in our last couple of minutes here. Oh, wow. 
You know, I I think one of the one of the biggest uh, things that I that I have found, and that is, um, if it's too complicated, just don't do it. <laughs> Stick with the simple stuff. <laughs> Keep it simple. I mean, across yep. the board. Yeah. <laughs> I think that applies to almost anything um, in life, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we do uh, as, you know, sometimes even as women, I think we can, you know, we can take on too much still, you know, even though we're learning, um, we overcomplicate it and then we try and do it all ourselves. So um, that's yes. an, a, another important lesson. So thank you for sharing those, those three lessons. So I know that um, there's going to be people listening who are saying, wow, I've got to connect. I've got to learn more about Lana. So the best place to connect with you, Lana, is um, where? Through your website? Yes, lanamacara.com. Okay, so L-A-N-A-M-C-A-R-A, lanamacara.com. And you never shared how you went from from being Rosie to Lana. Oh, (laughs) in 2011, I changed my name. Okay. As a result of the life coaching I went through, I realized it. I realized that I needed a break. I needed to break from the old me. Yeah. And I did change my name. Right. Cool. Very cool. Um, also, um, very often I know that my guests offer some sort of gift of wisdom as well. And I think that you were offering a free audio download. Yes. On my website. Mm-hmm. There is a free download called uh, Throw Away Negative Thinking in Seven Minutes or Less. Ooh. And uh, all you have to do is go to the website and uh, pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Throw Away Negative Thoughts in Seven Minutes or Less. Yes. All right. Well, that sounds like a great gift. Thank you so much for being so generous with that. And um, I also do have a gift to offer as well. So my gift is about the personality science that I talked about earlier, and it's about learning what your personality style is, your four code personality style. So if you actually go to this number, if you have a pen handy, you can actually text in the word code, C-O-D-E, because that's what you're going to get your code. And you can text the word code to 403-668. 9279 and that'll give you access to a $99 report and it'll be your personality style and I would love to connect with you afterwards and hear what you learned about yourself because that's what these shows are all about is connecting with amazing women wise women who are out there doing incredible things in the world now and really helping other people in some way shape or form through their mission inspired business through the work that they're doing through the work that they're sharing And certainly, Lana, you've been a shining example of that today. So thank you very much for joining me. Is there any last words to share with the audience before we hop off? Thank you so much, Yvonne. This has been amazing this hour. And I just wish everyone well. The love in my heart for you is great. And uh, give some of that love to yourself. Thank Mm, you. Absolutely. So another example that when you think that there might not be an answer, there is always a silver lining. So make sure to dial in next time on the Words, Women and Wisdom show. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, everybody. Have a a wonderful day. Bye for now.